You're listening to Orange County's only station with critical business information, Critical Mass, with your host, Rick Franzi. Welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass, coast to coast. I am your host, Rick Franzi. This business talk show airs live on Thursdays at 3 p.m. Heard exclusively here on Internet Radio Station, octalkradio.net. If you're listening to this show in the future as a podcast, we encourage you to consider listening to the program live during our broadcast time. This show is brought to you by our sponsors, Commerce National Bank, Smart Stop Self Storage, Succession Strategies, and Smart Business Magazine. The goal for this show is to help you, our listening audience, make better and more informed business decisions. Critical Mass Coast to Coast is a production of Renaissance Executive Forums and Critical Mass for Business. Renaissance Executive Forums brings together top executives from non-competing companies into an advisory board process through which thousands of leaders gain fresh ideas and new insights. If you'd like to learn more about the Renaissance Executive Forums process, then it's very simple. Find Renaissance Executive Forums online. How do you do that, you ask? Simple, I say. www.executiveforums, F-O-R-U-M-S, is the proper way to type it in, .com, and you will find them, executiveforums.com. We have two guests today, possibly a third, but definitely two guests on the radio program today. And if you're interested because you're listening live, then you may want to participate in a conversation. How do you do that? Simply find a community chat room section of octalkradio.net's website. There you can log in with your Twitter handle. This will connect you to our engineer. And today, on the other side of the glass, sitting in the studio for me is Paul Roberts, our engineer. He'll bring your thoughts and ideas to my attention and I might be able to work them into one of our two interviews. If you're listening to the show, expecting to hear my interview with Brandon Martin of Life Tree Manufacturing, well, just hold on. We're going to be talking about entrepreneurship, and that's a little later in the show. Our first guest today is Ellen Langas. Ellen is president, and I'd like to bring her on to talk a little bit about her firm, her background, and kind of her career. So, Ellen, welcome to Critical Mass Coast to Coast. Hi, Rick. Thank you very much. It's great to have you on the program. Let's get started by asking you to share a little bit with our audience about your professional background before we talk about your current position and company. Sure. Um, I pretty much have been in the marketing communication field since uh, starting at uh, college at Robert Morse University and then moving on to graduate school at University of Pittsburgh, the Katz Business School, and um, went into the traditional corporate world in marketing, research, sales, through Westinghouse and Corning Glassworks. Um, and then one day, out of the blue, I was reading a newspaper article, and it said, would you like to be a television host? And I thought, hmm, yes, I would. <laughs> and so on, I didn't know what I was going for, but I went down to an audition in Philadelphia, uh, and it turned out to be to host on QVC, the TV shopping network. And from that day, I think my life had changed because uh, I did get the position. 
my all my gr- uh, grad school friends said that is career suicide because no one had ever heard of televised shopping. Um, but of course, I, I'd say I had the last laugh on that one, and started with a company when they started. And uh, once they got a little wind of my background, I started doing more behind the scenes, and um, then went to become an um, an officer of the company, starting their public relations department and their consumer affairs department. And it was a wonderful launch into my own business, which I have today at NewSoma. Okay, so I'm going to back you up just a little bit. We're broadcasting from our studios here in Southern California, but for those listeners of the program, they know I'm actually uh, a graduate of the University of Pittsburgh, undergrad. And uh, so I, the names that you said ring very familiar with me. <laughs> so we can, uh, we can talk about some of the old haunts there. Usually when I have a guest on from Pittsburgh, when Ken Wax, who many times brings on guests from the Philadelphia area, but also with ties to Pittsburgh, yeah. we start by talking about the Dirty O, the original hot dog stand, which is... Which is still there. As uh, Zelda the Greenhouse is long gone, but the Dirty O oh. is there and um, certainly had uh, season tickets for the Steelers. <laughs> nice. Nice. That's a different... Uh, different worlds, Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. It's sort of like for us here in the West Coast. It's sort of the difference between L.A. and San Francisco. Same state, very different vibe when you're in the cities. Both beautiful places to be, though, Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. They are, and I enjoy them both. So tell me about your communications firm. You, The name is Nusoma? Nusoma. Nusoma is uh, the blend of two Greek words. I have a Greek heritage, and that's the union of the Greek word for mind, nous, and body, soma. So we coined Nusoma, and that just is to signify how we inject the human element into what we do. We want to really help bring our, our whether it's brand or uh, company, alive and make it more, more um, just more humanized. And so we started uh, in uh, 1993, incorporated in 1995, and um, has developed the company over time to. Uh, help individuals, help businesses, clients with their strategy and implementation of their marketing, PR, publicity, promotional plans. We work with national, regional, and individual clients. So what has changed in the area of marketing communications over the past 25 years? Yeah, well, there has been quite a bit, and I would say technology has been the the biggest change. You know, while it's been a very good friend to business, um, especially in marketing and media relations, you know, we depend on very quick and efficient message distribution. Um, So we would, you know, being able to use email, social media, etc. But what we used to have to do is create and distribute a story for a particular day. Now, you know, through technology, uh, stories are happening in real time. So that means everyone has to be a decision maker on your team. Everyone from the consumer to reporters want to have information at their fingertips. And while the right message, as we saw you know, during the Super Bowl, can go viral very quickly, so can the wrong message go viral. So um, you know, we have to be able to retain control over those messages. And I'd say branding has become much more challenging as well. Uh, I think the Internet has made pricing uh, completely transparent. So when a customer has a product that they wish to uh, get out into the market, they really can't just depend on 
oh, I've got a good product at a good value. They have to really develop their brand loyalty uh, because everything's transparent now. And consumers may, you know, shop uh, in a store, but then they go online and check out the price. So we really want to uh, create loyalty. Daniel Pink, in his new book, which talks about selling called Selling is Human, uh, he, he makes that point as well that technology has really equalized the uh, knowledge inequality that used to exip, exist between buyer and seller. Now you have very, very knowledgeable buyers, which really makes the job of selling much different than it used to be historically. They are because the consumer is the newsmaker. We no longer are writing the news. We're reading and learning about the news uh, on blogs. Uh, so, you know, good for us and good for companies that are sending out their messages. But now, if a consumer wants to go buy something, uh, they just go to their computer or their, um, their mobile device, and within seconds, they'll have hundreds of opinions <laughs> at their fingertips. So, And those opinions are so much more valid in the eyes of the receiver than what the company puts out, aren't they? Right. That third-party uh, uh, decision or that information is what I think everyone values. So it's our job to help uh, prepare our clients to be able to generate that kind of information. And when people look for that brand or that person, that company. That's the kind of information they're seeing, and it's consistent. So tell me a little bit about the book series, Girls Know How. Ah. I understand you're an author. Congratulations. <laughs> but am. share Thank us a little you. bit about the inspiration and the content. Thank you very much for, for mentioning that, because that is something that um, has been a very personal uh, uh, goal in my life. When I was uh, in, prior to college actually I should mention, my uh, father being from Greece and my mother being Greek raised me with uh, I guess certain expectations, but there weren't many female role models when I was uh, a youngster. And so I didn't really have an idea of what I wanted to be, let alone what I could aspire to be. And I was fortunate enough to go to Robert Morris College because my father worked on the campus. So I went to that university not really having any idea what I wanted to do, but with support to perhaps go into secretarial skills, um, because that was what a lot of, of young women did. And I was at school when a uh, faculty uh, member and actually someone who had moved into administration, had suggested that I might want to go to a, a workshop for students about a new organization called Enactus that was getting started. I went to that and was quite enchanted by it. The idea was to help others um, improve their quality of life and standard of living by giving them the tools they needed to succeed. And that encouragement changed my life because I had never spoken in front of groups. I never led a group. I, this was the first time that I really had the chance to uh, embrace business principles and learn about them firsthand and develop leadership and teamwork skills. And so from that experience, I felt that I really wanted to pay it forward and make a difference. And I, I didn't really ever know how. And it wasn't until I had my two daughters, and they were about, I'm going to say, seven and nine, when I realized 
um, that's what I wanted to do, was help give that same spirit to my daughters and help others uh, get that kind of understanding and spirit to give back and to also be able to follow their dreams. So that's what inspired the book series. And the book series ex- encourages young readers, 8 to 12 years old approximately, to explore the careers of their dreams. And we focus on girls, mostly because at that age, boys don't read those kind of books. <laughs> we did a lot of research to find that out. So we, we've been really happy with their success. How do people find the book? Oh, uh, well, they are available at uh, qvc.com. Of course. Uh, <laughs> or at barnesandnoble.com um, and uh, online and also in, in selected Barnes & Noble stores as well. So they're easy to find online. Excellent. We're going to take our first um, commercial time out. When we come back, Alan, I wonder if you could help the audience to understand from your perspective I would say the large segment of our population of the listening audience are entrepreneurs, small and mid-market business executives and owners. From your perspective and working with your clients, if you could share maybe the top three or whatever the right number is of key things as it relates to marketing communications, they should know to successfully do marketing communications. I think that would be very valuable for our audience. Is that a fair request? I'd love to chat about that. Then we're going to come right back, ladies and gentlemen, and we're going to get into that conversation. But first, let's spend a little bit of time with our sponsors. Can we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, what happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely, ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com I got stuff to the right, more stuff to the left Got enough stuff, but I can't take a step So I smart stopped and took a minute to think I need a little better spot, not under the seat With Smart Stop, I leave the stress at the door Cause it's the smarter way to store Smart Stop bucks the system Your first month's rent is just a buck Your next three months are half off Call 888-97-STORAGE and mention this station Goodbye clutter, hello floors Smart Stop, the smarter way to store Welcome back to Critical Mass Coast to Coast. I am your host, Rick Franzi. If you're going to get in touch with Smart Stop Self Storage, and if you have a storage need, I hope you will do that, please let them know that you heard that commercial here on Critical Mass Coast to Coast on radio station octalkradio.net. All right, Alan, coming back, I said I'd like you to share a little bit of your expertise with our audience. Would you be able to give them some tidbits of knowledge, please? I'll be happy to share with what uh, we have always believed in. And really, this is some of my personal philosophy because I, too, as an entrepreneur, I think 
um, when when you have an entrepreneurial background, you can't help but have that very personal as well. So from a marketing perspective, it does in fact reflect what makes uh, people successful as well. And I think the first thing I would say is communicating expectations uh, very clearly. And that would be with your marketing team um, or with whomever uh, you're leading. And being able to have uh, or identify who's responsible to enable those tasks to happen. And then to be able to measure whatever strategy you come up with. So really, setting the vision for your marketing strategy is most important. And that's not just telling people what that marketing strategy is. It's having them buy in to that strategy. And so when the strategy starts unfolding and you talk about messaging for a brand or for a product, it's so important that that messaging is consistent. That messaging should really have a differentiation. And so whether you're an individual who is trying to sell their books, what is that different point of view? What is that perspective? What makes you different? What will have your people clamoring for your product uh, and make them very loyal? And then I would say it's so important to embrace the new uh, social technologies. If you're marketing a product and you ignore the fact and stick with traditional media only, I think you're going to be left behind. So I think it's important to adapt. And you already should have, but it's never too late to adapt. And I think that leads hand-in-hand into being open to change because I've never seen change happen at such a fast rate, and it's going to be happening tomorrow because you know what the pace of of change in technology is. And, And so you have to be able to adapt and stay curious. I think staying curious in your marketplace, check what competitors are doing, always look at how you can do better. And I think finally, I leave this to the end, but it's really the number one thing. How are you going to delight your market, your consumer, your customer? And and that's what people look for because that's really what it's all about. How are you serving others? And if you're doing that the right way, you're going to succeed. Interesting. In my experience, I find that sometimes entrepreneurs, maybe less entrepreneurs because they're really right at the heartbeat of the business, but small and mid-market CEOs and business owners may always not see the value in having a marketing strategy. They sort of project that onto larger companies or to smaller startups, but for some reason they're in that middle ground where that marketing thing isn't nearly as important. I don't know if that's been your experience as well. That's very interesting. I've, I've, um, I've not seen that a, a, that much, but I do see that marketing is often when people start getting into that midsize and growing, their attention is drawn away from it. So I think that's probably why that happens. Mm. There are orders to fill. There is growth. There's hiring to be done. But exactly. I will say that there are, you know, with all the challenges we, we just talked about with the changes, and they are challenges. <laughs> you know, it's a much more competitive world out there right now. I think there are a lot of opportunities for growth. Um, you know, there are more niche opportunities for marketing. Um, you know, just in the electronic retailing, which I have that experience in, what an opportunity for different channels. And there are multiple channels now. 
uh, again, there's that challenge to to be able to cover all those multiple channels. But boy, there are so many opportunities for that. And and the same thing with social media. You know, there's chances to have stories, whether you find them on blogs, on your telephone, and Twitter, and you know wherever that might be. So those multi-channel opportunities, all of a sudden, everyone's a marketer. It's interesting because never before have small and mid-market companies have the access to prospects through technology and social media that they now have and being able to properly use it. You know, you said all your messages have to be, your brand has to have a consistent message. And I, mm-hmm. I think that's an area where a lot of companies need to look at their, their client-facing touch points and make sure they're delivering a consistent message and the brand is alive in those experiences. Yes, I, I firmly agree with that. You'll see a great example of that if you think of, let's say, a Lowe's or Home Depot, for instance. You know, so you go in and perhaps you see, uh, let's say you have a home improvement project that you're doing, and you go in and start uh, looking for, let's say, kitchen cabinets. And so someone will interact with you in the store live and come up with ideas for kitchen cabinets. And then you go home and search for more product online from their store. And then you do your social media to find out which products. And then you can finish the project because they've started it online for you and you can access your project online. I mean, talk about touch points. You've got consistent touch points throughout that whole process, and you probably finish up with an online survey. And it's helped. Um, the relationship between sales and marketing, I think, has has evolved by virtue of technology as well because um, for those that haven't been in sales and marketing in large organizations, many times they think those are the same functions, and in reality they're very different roles. But because of the availability of information and social media and marketing, we have such and a buyer that's so much further along the buying process many times now when they engage your sales force, they're not a raw, cold prospect. They, they've done a, many times a lot of um, background research, and they show up at a very different place in the selling process. And I think it's, it's caused the sales organizations to have to respond to that as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. And one way that they're able to do that is through the amazing data mining they can do right now because, you know, they're able to find out what did this person buy. You know, through all these social media touch points, they're able to pick up on that. And the the data available to companies now is incredible. Maybe a little scary. <laughs> they know what you're looking for on the website, you know, who you're chatting with, et cetera, what you're tuning into. But done right, and that's the big pivotal thing, done right, that is valuable data so that the companies can really determine what the trends are, what's their, um, uh, their ca- what uh, products they're going to be able to offer, what colors are going to be hot, you know, all of those different things. So it does, uh, a more sophisticated consumer is driving a more consist- uh, sophisticated company. You mentioned earlier the idea of being successful within niches, and I am a large advocate for entrepreneurs and as companies scale to really understand what niche they have differentiation in. And while that may sound obvious, it isn't in practice always simple to 
kind of hone in on. From your experience in working with your clients, uh, how do you encourage them or what has been your experience with them working within a niche, discovering their niche, and really understanding why that is a successful area for their company to sell their products and services into? Um, are you talking about a marketing niche or a consumer uh, marketing niche? Mm-hmm. So uh, let me just give you for instance and tell me if I'm on track for what you're looking for. Uh, for instance, uh, a services company that I work with uh, was looking to increase their profile uh, within the eastern region. And because they were a service company, they had a wealth of information to share. And we found that creating white papers and uh, blogging was drawing their potential uh, customer to them because it was education and knowledge that their customers were seeking. And once they hooked them with that education and knowledge, uh, they were very, very open to engaging them in paid-for services. So we started a blogging program. We started doing educational seminars, um, and and that knowledge knowledge was the niche, you know, that they they were using, and the vehicle was through their blogs and presentations. I have to have you back on the show. I am going to talk to uh, Mr. Wax Allen because you just opened a door to another conversation that I would love to have with you at a future time, which is this concept of content marketing, educational marketing. So many companies, I think, could benefit from reframing how they communicate with the marketplace around this concept. I'm a big believer in it as well, and I'm I'm really glad that you opened the door for that, but I'm frustrated because we're going to have to let you go here today on Critical. Will you come back in the future and share more pleasure. insights? Thank you very much. It's, 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 it's fun to be able to talk about the industry, isn't it? It is. I'm wondering if you could let our audience know how they'd find you online. What's your website? Oh, sure. We're at newsoma.com, which is N-O-U-S-O-M-A.com. It's nice to talk with an entrepreneur, a fellow uh, person who grew up in Pittsburgh, (laughs) and I wish you continued success in 2013. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure, and to your audience as well. Uh, Good luck as we're now in this new year and... uh, Really getting busy with change. Take care. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. We're going to take our second commercial break here on Critical Mass Coast to Coast with Rick Franzi. And then we're going to come back with our second and final guest today, Brandon Martin. Brandon is president of Life Tree Manufacturing. So we will be right back after these words from our commercial sponsors. If you are an Orange County business executive, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have these questions, then Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions. These are groups of peers running businesses just like you, providing a great sounding board to test ideas and concepts, review plan and goals, and present issues and opportunities for discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, people, and execution skills. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn more about our executive peer group.
My company made the switch to Commerce National Bank about six months ago. Our relationship officer was there every step of the way to make the transition as seamless as possible. We had an early hiccup with a deposit scanner, but they dropped everything and drove right to our offices to help. We couldn't feel better about our decision to switch. Instead of calling an 800 number and navigating through automated menus, now I call my Commerce National Bank relationship officer directly for any questions we have. Just knowing that they're so easily accessible and willing to help really puts me at ease. They offer the same technology as the big banks, but deliver it with superior service and training. They're also rated a full five stars by Bauer Financial. So if your organization is a small or medium-sized business in Orange County, you should make the switch too. Call Mary Miller, Senior Vice President, at 949-870-3863 or visit him online at www.commercenatbank.com. That's commercenatbank.com. Give Commerce National a chance to do better than your bank, and they'll handle the rest. Welcome back to Critical Mass Coast to Coast. If you're considering contacting Commerce National Bank, and if you're looking for a new banking relationship, I highly encourage you to do that. Mary Miller is a fantastic person. I know her well. This show today is one in a Critical Mass radio show series. On Tuesdays, we bring interesting interviews with California business leaders on our flagship program, Critical Mass Radio Show. The radio show is in its fourth year and can be heard live at 4 p.m. On Wednesdays, we air our show featuring Orange County and Southern California nonprofit organizations and their leaders. All shows can be heard live here on Internet radio station octalkradio.net, where they can be rebroadcast anytime from iTunes, Stitcher, and other podcasting services. All of our shows can be found from our website, criticalmass4forbusiness.com. All right, let's turn our attention to our second guest. As I said before the break, Brandon Martin was going to be joining us. He is president of Lifetree Manufacturing. Brandon, welcome to the program. Good evening, Rick. Thanks for having me. Let's talk a little bit about... Life Tree Manufacturing. Can you tell our audience a little bit more about you and your firm? You bet. We are a private label contract manufacturing company focusing on the nutraceutical and powdered food space of our industry. So we essentially private label and manufacture a full turnkey operation for your mass market retail store brands and anyone who is looking to uh, design, develop, and distribute all-natural powdered food products or dietary supplements and nutraceuticals. How long has LifeTree been around? We are just approaching our first year. Are you the founder? Co-founder. What caused you and your partner to want to begin LifeTree Manufacturing? Well, we've seen a lot of trends in the, um, the retail grocery space for private label needs. Um, every major chain out there on the retail side of the business has store brands. They rely on private label contract manufacturing companies to private label manufacture and produce all those products for them. So we saw uh, an opportunity in that space alone, um, not to mention a lot of the other products that you see in the nutraceutical space um, have have a need for a home, for a manufacturing home, because a lot of companies focus on the marketing side of the aspect, and a lot of companies uh, require a co-packer to help them develop that product, manufacture it, and get it out to the retail marketplace. So we saw a space and opportunity there. 
So uh, explain to me the term nutraceutical. Nutraceutical is essentially a food product that provides a health or medical benefit. So as opposed to a pharmaceutical, a nutraceutical is on the natural side, um, providing a, a health benefit in that space. What was your background? Were you in this contract manufacturing space? Were you in the in that industry? How how did you come to this? Was it just your awareness that there was a market opportunity here? Give me a little bit more on your background. Sure. I my my initial background outside of college, um, I worked for I worked in the IT industry. I was actually employed by IBM, direct division out of IBM, and kind of worked my way through the, the corporate ranks and, and the ladder there working on their large enterprise sales division. And I was approached by a couple gentlemen who were uh, entrepreneurs and wanting to start a nutrition company. Uh, they asked me to come in and, and join their nutrition company to launch their sales and marketing division. So I left the IT sector and um, kind of dove right into the nutrition industry with those two gentlemen and um, have been on my third, I've, this is the third company that I've been a co-founder of in the nutrition space um, since I left the technology space. Oh, so you're like a serial entrepreneur then, huh? It seems that way. Do you like that early stage part of the business? I mean, it's definitely unique and different. It is. It's, uh, it provides a, a daily challenge. Um, but it's, it's a passion. It's uh, building things and watching things manifest from a concept to having the ability to take that concept and uh, create a, a finished product that is essentially delivered to, a, uh, to the consumer industry and watching that process all the way through is, is satisfying. I think it's the hardest thing to do in business is create something from nothing. I, I respect people that improve, you know, turn around struggling companies, um, who can scale rapidly. I mean, all the things that happen in business, I'm, I admire and respect those skill sets. It's been my experience. People that build a business from zero, in my opinion, it's the hardest thing to do. The world doesn't need another firm <clears throat> until you create the requirements and convince some people that you, of your value. So it really is, I think, a very uh, challenging thing to do. And so congratulations that you're not just doing it once successfully, but you've had a chance to do it several times successfully. Well, there have been lessons learned along the way, so I appreciate that. Could, okay, that's a good place to go. If we, let's spend a minute there. I mean, this is your third time. You're not new to the rodeo. This is your third time through. I mean, can, can you share with us maybe one or two things that you've learned in your, you know, in your time of doing this that you didn't know uh, when you started your first firm? You bet. Uh, I think it's important to clearly define your goals, your objectives, your mission, and to, to stay on that path. It's, it's really easy in a startup phase to get distracted and dilute any sort of efforts or resources that were essentially allocated towards your, your initial mission. So it's important to, to define that goal, to define your objectives, and, and stay on that track. It's, it's really easy to get off track. And, um, you know, my first, first couple startups, there opportunities come up that you're presented with, and they end up being distractions because it gets you away from your core focus. It takes you away from your target and what your objectives were. So I think a lesson I've learned um, on the first couple go-rounds was to 
clearly define what your goal is and stay on that track and, and try not to get um, distracted with any, uh, you know, so-called opportunities that may come up. Just, just stay focused and, and keep going down that path. That's interesting because um, I echo that, and I'm really glad that you shared that with our audience. And for those budding entrepreneurs out there, heed that message from Brandon because my experience is life will give you those distractions right at the moment that you might be most vulnerable. You know, you may not be realizing the return out of the your mainline business focus and what your business plan said, and these lucrative, out-of-the-blue opportunities come up that are a tangent, and sometimes they're really hard to resist. I, exactly right. I mean, that's why I say so-called opportunities, quote-unquote opportunities. I mean, it turns out that um, they end up being distractions, you know, a lot of the time. And and there are a lot of things that are that are tempting when you're in that early stage and, and you can get excited about certain things. But um, if you veer off track just a little bit from what your initial objective was or your mission on on your goals for your company, then you get way off track really quick. So. How do you balance that, though, or how would you suggest people think about balancing that with the need to remain flexible and to continue to work and hone your business plan? Because admittedly, when you start your business, there are things you just don't know until you get in the business that you then cause you to have to rethink some of your original foundational principles and, and beliefs about the business plan. How, how do you balance those two? One way I've been able to do it, I've been... I've been fortunate enough to surround myself with, with like-minded people, people that um, are experts in, in either the field that you're working in, the industry, um, and, and learn from them. Um, don't be afraid to, to ask questions and surround yourself with people that you can have as much knowledge and information from and use that information to, to help you with that balance, you know, to, to help you from getting sidetracked or, or work opportunity that wasn't part of your initial plan. So um, I would just say take advice from people that have been there and done that. Don't be afraid to, to ask questions and uh, absorb as much as you possibly can and, and use that information and that knowledge and try to improve on it. I mean, use that, that lesson learned, incorporate what you learned from, from those people and, uh, and try to improve on it and use it for, for what you're working on. I believe in the power of peer learning. That's part of the reason why we do these radio programs. And so to hear you say that, um, again, makes me feel really makes sense why you're on your third successful business. Uh, we're going to take our third and final break, commercial break here on Critical Mass Coast to Coast, Brandon. And when we come back, I'm going to ask you to share with our audience your vision for growing this firm. You're a year into it. Now that you've got that, you know, kind of what do you see as your three or five year, where's the business going to be? So, ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned for that conversation after we spend just a little bit of time with our commercial sponsors. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www. 
sbnonline.com. It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. And at the end of the day, the difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. So United Way is asking you to make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Be a reader, tutor or mentor. Give, advocate, volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge now at liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Critical Mass Coast to Coast. I'm your host, Rick Franzi. Today's show is beaming to you from Southern California, our stunning studios here at octalkradio.net on what is a sunny day. Hopefully it's sunny where you are. Let's return our interview with Brandon Martin, president of Light Tree Manufacturing. I said we're going to ask you to talk about your three- to five-year business plan. Nothing confidential, but just where do you see the growth opportunities and how do you see the firm growing, Brandon? You bet. I would say over the next three to five years, our, our mission and, and uh, goal would be to strategically align ourselves with uh, partners that can help us to the next level. Now, those partners meaning whether they're vendors you work with, whether they're suppliers, whether they offer a service that complements your direct business. Um, you're seeing a lot of trends in, in corporate America uh, right now with, uh, with a lot of different mergers happening. Um, call them mergers, call them strategic partnerships. Uh, I, I see, I see Lifetree um, fostering strategic partnerships, aligning ourselves with the very best um, food supply companies, the very best vendors that we can possibly uh, partner up with and use all of these resources combined to really provide the best service and products to all of our customers. And it really opens up the doors from a lot of different perspectives once you have that strategic partnership lined up. So I I see our growth um, coming through different strategic partnerships. I see our growth coming from embracing technology. It's been a a really important thing for us as an emerging company is not really embracing technology. We've taken what's typically you see as an antiquated technology system in in contract manufacturers, manufacturing in general in in our specific industry. We're taking that antiquated system and we're putting in some software and some hardware platforms to take us to the next level from a technology standpoint. So I'll kind of answer that question on, on two different fronts. Strategic partnerships, one, and embracing technology and incorporating that technology uh, to open up more doors to make us a more efficient company to help us control costs better, uh, to use those those cost savings to put back into the company and continue to grow, uh, to focus on uh, employee benefits, to focus on um, making the, the core part of our company, which is our employees, um, stronger and empowering them to do a, a lot more internally. I think all those things combined will, will take us to to the next level and, and level after that over the next three to five years. An interesting answer because I see that, you know, in one short year, your firm was selected as one of the best places to work. I wonder if you could explain how that happened. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, our first year out, we were... Um, we were nominated by um, someone on, on our staff, someone on our team, um, and we were nominated by the Phoenix Business Journal. They, um, they do a, a third-party um, survey 
with all of the employees that are nominated and the winners picked out of those surveys. We were um, nominated and won second place for uh, best places to work in Arizona last year. And uh, I think a lot of that derives from just the overall transparency we have with everyone on our team. Um, that, that communication is critical, transparency is critical, so everyone understands where the company's at, what the company's objectives are, and where the company's going. So there's a level of appreciation um, all the way across the board um, from an employment standpoint. And, and we use that and we incorporate a lot of different benefits for for everyone on our team and really focus on what we can do not only for a company but for each individual person to make things more efficient and, and help get their job you know, to the next level. So we, we work with the, the state of Arizona as well on um, different job training programs. We were awarded a job training grant, and that grant goes to ongoing training and education for everyone on our team here at Livestream Manufacturing. So we do a lot of we do a lot of unique programs and, and work with um, with local uh, local municipalities to help create programs for our our employees. So I think with all those things combined, it, it really led to our uh, our nomination for best places to work. Yeah, that's uh, uh, astounding. Actually, that uh, one a first year company like that would have that much connection with the employees to not only be nominated but then also to finish so strongly. Uh, have you found it difficult to find the kind of skill sets that you need for your manufacturing environment? Talk to me a little bit about how you're hiring and the talent pool, etc. The talent pool is tremendous. Um, we've, taken, we've taken that grant that, that we won, and that is, that is specifically for training and education. So we take those resources, and we do ongoing training internally. Um, so not only do we have a great talent pool to choose from, but we provide um, ongoing training on a daily and weekly basis um, to keep up with all of the regulatory uh, standards in our industry to stay ahead of the curve on a lot of the regulatory standards. Um, but we put all those resources back into training. So I, I think uh, we, we take it to the next level from a training perspective to make sure that everyone is, uh, all of their skill sets are, are, are matched if not exceeded and w- with our competition and um, everyone is cross-trained from a production and manufacturing standpoint we feel that it's very important to have everybody cross-trained so in the manufacturing um, company you can you can shift different stages of production around you can have one operator moving from one part of the line to another and they know how to operate all the different parts of the equipment so that's that's what we've done for for training to keep uh, keep our skill sets ahead of uh, ahead of the curve and ahead of our competition. You've talked about technology, and I know there's a lot of um, uh, automation required in this for this process. So you must have had to put a pretty big uh, investment in your plant and equipment to launch LifeTree Manufacturing. Not only the plant and the equipment, but the technology that we have. Been developing internally. We have um, a partner in the company is a um, technology veteran and has um, brought a lot of uh, wisdom and experience in the technology sector into, like I mentioned before, kind of an antiquated system. Um, and we, we've brought that to a whole new level 
and we like to think that we're, we're setting the bar now from a technology aspect, um, incorporating technology process flow controls, um, cost control um, processes that we put in place. We have the ability to monitor all of our production efficiencies on a granular level to have overall cost control from a production and manufacturing standpoint. So we've incorporated all these uh, technology platforms and systems internally and, and, and incorporated them with our ERP system to really have a good grasp on uh, our output, number one, our, our quality control standards and um, overall efficiencies. As a part of your sales process, do clients ever tour your facility? 80% of the time we'll have an on-site tour. I imagine they must notice the difference between your environment and others in your space then. Absolutely. No question. That, that feels good when clients walk through and they're impressed by your the way you've laid your place out and the kind of equipment and people that you have. It sure does. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's extremely important to us. We take a lot of pride in it, and uh, like I said, it's, it's a passion. So it's, it definitely shows when we, when we do tours and when we take people through our facility. So if someone would like to learn more about Lifetree Manufacturing in Tempe, Arizona, how do they find you online? Online, our website is lifetreemfg, as in manufacturing.com, so L-I-F-E. I want to wish you great success. I don't think you need my good wishes. It sounds like your experience and partners and people you surround yourself with and your employees, the whole business model is, is just built for success. But I do want to wish you continued success in 2013. Thanks for being a friend of the program. Welcome to the Renaissance Executive Forum's business community, Brandon. And thank you for your time today here on Critical Mass Coast to Coast. Rick, it's been a pleasure. Thanks again. Have a good day. Take care. Well, I hope you've enjoyed our show today, radio, uh, our radio show today, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry. Uh, and maybe both of the interviews have been pro provided you with some ideas and insights that will help you to make better business decisions. Maybe you can adapt some of what you heard our guests talking about. I'd really like to thank our commercial sponsors, Smart Stop Self-Storage, Commerce National Bank, Succession Strategies, and Smart Business Magazine. If you'd like to learn more about Renaissance Executive Forums and the Executive Forums process, visit their website, executiveforums.com. Our producer for today's show is Rachel Franzi. Our engineer is Paul Roberts. Our marketing communications manager is Kelly Faltis. Kathleen Shepard is our guest coordinator. And yes, folks, I am your host, Rick Franzi, saying until the next time we have a chance to talk. Here's hoping that all of your business decisions move your business in a positive direction. You've been listening to Critical Mass Coast to Coast right here on octalkradio.net.